0: What I really appreciate about the show is that everyone bops their heads during the intro music, even though our faces are not on screen. <laughs> yeah,
1: of
2: course. Listen, like this listen, for months. It's listen, good music.
1: You, you have sketchy. a banger. You, 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 you know, you bob you your head use to use the it.
2: banger. That's, All right. That's
1: how it works. Let's well, double Squeeze
0: radio games cast. Episode number 133. As always, I'm your host Ryan, and today I'm joined by my lovely cohort of co-hosts, Wyatt. Uh, hello. Brett. Hello. <laughs> and Alex. Hi. They're all extremely embarrassed to be here, which means it's time to start of... the show.
3: Why, in particular, said so I'm very ashamed for some reason, and nothing's happened yet, so I don't know why. Our topic uh, he's got for today planned.
0: that I have posed to our, our trio of lads mm-hmm.
3: is games that have stuck
0: with you. The things that, that make you remember them. And more specifically, not just games, but individual elements. Uh, and we'll get into what I mean by that very shortly, but first, we have breaking news in the games industry and by breaking oh, news good. i mean dwarf fortress has a release date <laughs> oh my what a steam release date an actual wow so the the reason i bring this up is because everyone i think knows what dwarf fortress is at least a little bit they've heard rumors mm. of dwarf fortress as a I thing i
1: have no idea what you're talking about you've never I've dipped my toes i've dipped my vaguely toes familiar we've,
0: we've talked about it before on the podcast yeah. this so is yeah. the game I've that has like the, the most it. fun patch notes to ever read oh yeah like
2: that in The Sims,
0: Fixed dwarves losing their eyeglasses in a mineshaft shaft or something. Like that would be a patch note for this game. Uh, it's great, truly insane. But they, it, the game used ASCII art. It was all all little ASCII art, and many people that have eyes don't necessarily like that.
2: <laughs> so people made texture packs, but you got to get the authentic experience. Per first.
0: people made texture packs, but it doesn't help the UI being hard to read. It's unlike it's a text-based engine, so it refreshes as if it's a text-based engine not meant yeah. to show graphics. Yeah. Uh, so they've been working on a Steam version of this game for a long time. By they, I mean the single lone developer uh, has been working on this f- for a long time. I think with a couple of art uh, people helping out. I could be wrong about that, but I believe he's, he's had some artist help. Um, so
2: the, the trees no longer have to be the letter N.
0: Yeah. So it is a a reimagining, not reimagining, it's the same game. It just has graphics now. It looks like a video wow. game. Wow. And it actually, I would say it looks pretty good, all things considered. It's still very much an information-heavy game uh, that ha- doesn't really have animations. Things move like a-, a tile to the left or right, classic roguelite style. But it looks good, and this is a, a thing that I'm looking forward to playing now that it has a functioning wow. UI that I can read with my eyes and not Oh my cry. god, graphics!
1: <laughs> right, I-, I really feel like you're not being honest these, enough about this look.
0: It's coming out. These look! (laughs) These do look. Dwarf Fortress, the reason I mention it is because we've talked about this game in the past, and I play a lot of games akin to Dwarf Fortress, things like Rimworld and whatnot, that are very good, but Dwarf Fortress is like, the one. Whenever you hear people talk about those games, you hear them talk about Dwarf Fortress, which is the
2: one. Uh, I feel like, also, Caves of Kud is is involved in that talk a little bit, but it's it's more fringe Dwarf Fortress.
0: But, but it also is kind of developed with a little bit more artistic stylings, because it's not just, I think, ASCII art. It is still in yeah. that vein, but it, yeah, has, it a has a little bit more, more stuff to it. iconography with it. Um, Alright, the other big thing from this week is that Square Enix is trying some NFT garbage. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. Again, called Symbiogenesis. Again. Which for those who haven't heard, the NFT, like, video games market has crashed already. It's, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. It, it went down 90-something percent.
1: It, like, if Only it wasn't that big if to begin with. Was... <laughs> okay, if if this whole thing was a race, right, all these NFT projects were lined up at the start line, the, the like, the starting pistol goes off and everyone trips over and just face plants. Like, yeah. because I'm still in the
0: vein of, like, I don't think NF- NFTs have ever taken off. Like, Normally, when you no. see this kind of tech no. or something that people are, are hyping, like VR is a good example, I think, mm-hmm. VR will have taken off already. Like, it'll take off as a cool prototype tech thing, and then games companies will start to make things, and then it'll stick around for a while and maybe well, get better, I, like VR is doing.
1: NFTs are I, not VR. <laughs> and I feel like the important thing is, like, is like with those, like, very early tech, you see a lot of, like, excitement around it, and that's yeah. when you pounce on it, right? No one was excited for for the NFT people are excited
0: about bit. NFTs are the people that think they can make a lot of money from the, for from them. But the majority of consumers do not care no. about it's, having a numbered serial number on your.
2: On it's the so same people gear. who fall for pyramid schemes.
1: It's it's so funny because so many of the people that are like, oh, this whole. All this tech is very, like, um, very, like, uncontrolled, it's very decentralized, and then they get screwed over because it's a very decentralized, like, unregulated system. <laughs> it's so yeah. just, it's just so remember, funny to watch.
2: Technically, this is a joke because of things, but uh, do the right thing. Screenshot an NFT. <laughs> yeah.
0: And what, what makes this even more funny is the uh, <coughs> elevator pitch for what this game is about.
2: Yeah. It's a game, is, it's not
3: just NFTs. I mean, calling this a game is maybe being generous. Is I, it Pachinko? Because we know we don't know anything <laughs> about the at all. The only thing we know is that NFTs the NFT the games. <laughs> yeah, NFTs are the pitch for this, and the story is anti-NFTs, which is really weird for an NFT game. It's like so they're, they're it's trying the... to get
2: both target audiences. No, so and...
3: this is the no, it's just uh,
0: the description of it's what this dumb. game is. So, Symbiogenesis, this is from the Square Enix press release, is a brand yes. new entertainment content. So they don't use the, the word game. They use entertainment content in a self-contained that, world for a wide disgusting. cast of characters' symbiosis.
1: What does that mean? Which this, this, can be collected
0: as digital art. Hey,
1: hey Square! Square! Hi! Hi! What does that mean? This an show, an is a that
0: you can, in a dedicated I community, the know. art can be used for social media profile pictures and as character in a story that takes place in an alternate world where the player can untangle a mystery by completing missions that revolve around questions of monopolization and distribution of resources. <laughs> A.K.A. the things that yeah. NFT is constant I, you, are constantly no, you under know,
1: fire for. You know what's beautiful about that description? It is simultaneously incredibly specific and incredibly vague at the same time it's yep. incredible it's it's honestly it's 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 an achievement i and can imagine you know, this
0: is 10 different things and all of them are bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> none of them make me excited 10 different endings and they're all the bad endings
3: <laughs> this is the kind of thing that you see at like the game awards or something that like jeff will say and you'll just be like
0: It'll be it's, an offhand the, until
3: they sponsored like one award. They're gonna throw out it's, the like, Yeah, the,
0: they'll do it right. Rapid fire after esports team of the year or something. No, and- <laughs> nah, I, yeah. I feel like
2: I feel like this is bottom of the barrel RPG Maker garbage.
3: Don't insult RPG Maker like that, Alexabella. How dare hey, hey, you? Hey,
2: hey, hey! hey. Great know, things can come out of RPG Maker. I'm saying it. It has it has high highs. It also has the lowest of lows.
1: Y- you know. When I when I first read, like, the very first headline that I read, it was probably, like, Yaz video on the topic, right? I was like, you know, I think I understand why Square Enix is called Square Enix now, right? Before they were called Squaresoft, right? It's because they have become masters at trying to take the square peg and trying to put it into the circle hole. They are absolute masters at it. And it's so funny to watch them and- do it every single time
0: the thing with right. the square nfts hole. in general is just i don't see how this would make you more money than just having microtransactions yeah because nfts and- actually have like an operating cost there is a cost associated with maintaining these things which yeah. it's small but it's still a cost that like you just make make some have your artists make some cool art assets and offer them as skins or something or do this profile picture thing but without making them exclusive and have them cheaper, but more people can get them.
3: I don't what know, like,
0: companies have been doing
3: forever. <laughs> but what they're offering is basically, like, I can, I can put the original Final Fantasy VII into my PS2 and screen grab a picture of Cloud Strife and Put that as my profile picture on Discord right I can, right I can do now one better.
0: I can type free. into Google Cloud Strife, yeah, and then <laughs> screen like, the first image
3: of like me <laughs> taking it from the game, and even from this game where you have to theoretically pay for these assets. I can just I can just type in Snip in my search bar and use the Snipper tool to. Oh my God! Take we it.
1: have the technology for that. I, That's I don't. Crazy.
3: There's there's no That's like. Crazy.
0: The amount of but, people that but will the even pixels, engage. You don't in a... own them, so you really don't feel a sense of pride and accomplishment
3: that you would. I don't feel care. <laughs> Nobody does. Not even the person own... that made them.
2: I the, here's the thing: about, you don't even own the pixels. You own a URL that says that you technically own them. Yes, I don't get it's, it. It's, I,
3: like, I... it's like
1: it's like the participation trophy of like owning mm-hmm.
0: something, right? <laughs> it's just so yeah. confusing in terms of like. Oh. They, they seem like they have detriments to everybody. Like I feel like even the companies making games based on this are just l- shoveling in detritus into their project yep. that they won't need that has an operating cost which is already a huge problem for especially indie developers. Of like all, this, all these companies trying to make multiplayer games that don't have the infrastructure to make a multiplayer game then run into the issue of, well, now we need to pay the operating cost of a multiplayer game. And we didn't think don't about forget. that, but now it's that on a bigger scale.
2: <laughs> and don't forget, mm-hmm. NFTs are also harmful to the environment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think to to add. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go for it, Brett.
3: <laughs> I I can't imagine being like like the the classic story of like oh this this guy in in Japan went through college to be a completely different like career or whatever and and one friend saw that he was like really good at programming so he got him a job at like konami or something and then it just uh, joined like the original team silent and and became a huge part of, of the silent hill franchise or something but that happens like today and you have all these big ideas in your brain and you get put on the nft project and yeah. your career stops there
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I can only Im- imagine the like the internal conversations at large game studios where it's like oh yeah that's the nft team don't you just feel sorry for those poor suckers like (laughs) it's not often the weird
0: the the even stranger thing about nfts game projects to me specifically is that so many of them are startups that are like latching on to this technology like square enix is i think the first major publisher who has a nft based game ubisoft had a few attempts At some NFT adjacent things for some whatever that was. Yeah. They had like the whole uh, splinter cell thing for a little while that Mm -hmm. just didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, But that wasn't like actively just making the game worse as symbiogenesis just seems to have not been thought out well. Uh, Yeah. I, I just don't understand the thought process behind this. Maybe at some point this tech will take off for some use that
1: we don't know about. And and to add salt onto this NFT wound, apparently people were under the assumption that this was a new Parasite Eve project. Yeah. There was a bunch of rumors leading up to it. Now I don't know much about Parasite Eve, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, but I can imagine it's it's a franchise that probably hasn't been touched in a good while, right? From what I yeah. understand. And yeah. so and so the, and PS2
3: so the fan. Or PS1. Oh god. PS1 started, oh, that's even worse than the... I thought. <laughs> it ended on the PSP, I think. Uh... Mm. By with the with the Tetsuya Nomura game, that was huh. definitely a Tetsuya Nomura game. Uh, and oh it was yeah. like, Not imagine, very imagine.
1: <laughs> imagine you're like a long time Parasite Eve fan. And you're like, oh yeah, they're gonna bring back Parasite Eve. You know, like they've been doing all these remakes recently for the, for mm. all these like older, completely PS1, games.
2: Oh, no, no, no. Why? Don't worry. There'll be a Parasite Eve NFT in the game. Uh, sorry, in the experience. The experience. experience. <laughs> the
0: world building experience. All right. Let's get off the NFT train <laughs>
3: <Please>. <laughs>
0: and, and talk about more fun things such as Please something uh, better. <laughs> Square Enix Montreal, otherwise known as Studio Onoma, which got rebranded a couple weeks ago and had prior been bought by Embracer Group along with uh, Eidos and the other IPs that Square Enix was getting rid of in their North American dev teams. It's been shut down! <laughs> mm-hmm. So Studio Onoma got created, and then three weeks later, no longer exists. Studio uh, Ono. Oh, this was the the team no. responsible for the Go mobile uh, Square Enix ports, which are actually very good. Um, not ports; yeah. they're different like puzzle versions of their popular franchises.
1: I remember I I, I own a uh, Hitman Go, which is technically speaking the first Hitman oh. game I've ever played, and uh, it was actually really yeah, cool. And That's right. There's really also well
2: made. Lore, There's also Tomb Raider Go, and I think a John Wick Go too.
0: I think that was a different team. It was John Wick Hex, which is a... Hex, DC okay. Game, um, huh. By a different studio. But yeah, they're they're shut down now. Uh, it seems like Embracer Group might be cutting some of the chuff, and a, few, a lot of the team members have been moved to Eidos from the way that this article is worded, um, which is good, because, you know, we always hate to see people lose their jobs.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think this is just restructuring this doesn't to me spell doom for idos or anything no especially considering idos has has been teasing that there might be a deus Ex project in the works as well as assisting on some microsoft projects i believe fable is the thing they're assisting with right now really Um, that sounds right which to me says embracer group is like hey we're we're gonna give you some leeway to make your own thing but we also want you to like assist in a thing that'll make us money now which is being contracted out by another dev studio to help which is totally normal and I
1: think, um, so, for, from what I understand too, they were they um part of the reason for shutting the studio down is that they didn't really want to focus on mobile games and they wanted to have more of a focus on like console and PC. Yeah. It,
3: uh, it titles, makes which sense. totally makes sense, yeah, yeah. Because you when like previously you have like the the Hitman Tomb Raider franchises to like latch on to to be like oh well you like these already now you can play a version of them in like the train on the way to work or whatever, but like now you don't have the the Square Enix properties to justify you making like a a very involved mobile game. And yeah. if you're not Fortnite, there's really no reason to make a very involved mobile game nowadays and also You just don't get the notoriety that you need.
1: Yeah. And also I feel like maybe it's just because I'm not as plugged into like mobile games as I used to be, but like I don't even think making like mobile uh offshoots of like a big franchise is really that much of a thing anymore. It used to be. It's so uh, it it just kinda...
0: put the thing on the phone because phones yeah, are getting so yeah. powerful now.
1: I mean, there's full versions of like PUBG, Warzone, uh, uh tons Fortnite of indie games are now phone, just though. fully
0: yeah. available on phones because there's been ports of like Stardew yeah. Valley and other just full games that are great. Ooh. So, yeah.
1: and, and because I think. Devs are expecting people more and more now to have some kind of controller that they use for their mobile games, so they're just porting whole games over and not really caring how the controls work because you just have a regular controller now. Yeah. So
0: I mean, I'm not a mobile gamer at all, but my favorite approach so far has been uh, Microsoft has cloud gaming for their Xbox Game Pass subscription. You get the cloud stuff if you, you pay for the cloud stuff, which I've been using to play Skate 3 on my computer, which has been wonderful. Uh, and surprisingly doable, although I did try to play Forza 5 on cloud. I don't. I would never do that because I have a computer that can run it. But I was like, oh, I'm curious how this works. Don't try it. <laughs> <laughs> that game does not. The bitrate of cloud streaming cannot handle dust particles everywhere. The screen just becomes nothing. You cannot see sense. what's happening. <laughs> uh, it controls fine. You just can't tell what's going on. Um, <laughs> maybe if I had Google Fiber, that would be better. But... Uh, I think we're, we're approaching a point where at least like stuff that is less visually complicated works well as a streaming thing on a phone, and mm-hmm. you, there are some games that have touch controls now. You can play a lot of the old rare games with touch controls on your phone, which is cool. Oh, nice. so it's a neat little thing. Uh, that's the big stuff from this this past week. We'll definitely have missed something, but due to travel and whatnot, that's inevitable. So there's nothing, I, I don't think anything else is headline-worthy, aside from the fact that God of War Ragnarok is scoring very
2: well, as everyone knew it would. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow! <laughs> can you believe it? A very little as surprise As the Tuesday there. when this comes out on YouTube, just a day away, guys! Ragnarok, Ooh. can you believe it? Wow! I, just a day away!
0: I was I almost I was here.
2: boy.
1: I, <laughs> I was very tempted to uh, call into work and be like, hey, listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm not sick, but I'm going to be sick starting uh, the ninth to, like, the 5th to, like, this however you, you long. You have I'm a
0: full-day therapy appointment with Dr. Kratos. <laughs> That's your, your excuse?
1: Family, family <laughs> therapy session with Dr. Kratos.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let's jump into our topic for tonight, which is the games that you remember, the mechanics, the art, the sound that you remember all the way. And I've kept with you since you've played a, a thing. Uh, To give an example of this, I'm going to jump in with, I think, a thing that most of us will commonly think of when we think iconic art styles, which is such a Zelda Wind Waker. Uh, Is this a game, I I love this game for many reasons, but most of it being nostalgia. Um, However, the art style, I think, is the thing that kind of cemented it as a, this is going to stick with me for a long time type of game. And I don't even know if that's Wind Waker's like, victory or if it's the failure of the rest of the game industry. Now,
2: do, do you think this is because, it, because it's a good example of a, time, of a timeless art style that ages well or that it's just so unique to itself?
0: Yes and yes. It's a, it's a yes yeah. on both fronts. Um, they tried something different, which at the time was not super well-received. Oh god! Um, no,
1: people were furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to
0: note here, like we know this after the fact because none of us were old enough to be following games news <laughs> when, no, when no. Waker came out. <laughs> uh, but when you look at this game now and you go back and read stuff from the time, man, <laughs> people yeah. thought this game looked stupid. It was like the '90s era. Anything cartoony is trash. Uh, you gotta remember this was before anime was mainstream. You didn't have them Ooh. them cartoons on your TV screen it was not a normal thing. Uh, but now it's been a lot more accepted and people have kind of come around on the idea of hey this actually has aged incredibly well it's like yeah. I have not played the HD version of Wind Waker it's not on the Switch so I can't play it but I still have my GameCube and I still have my copy of Wind Waker that I can stick in my GameCube and play and man occasionally I just go put it in and play some Wind Waker because man it's great yeah. time I mean,
1: how can you even play the HD version? Are you you had the Wii, and you have the Nintendo Switch. I don't think there was anything in between those two, right? Yeah, like, no console comes to mind. Well, no, like, yeah. Wyatt, I can't think of you
0: are forgetting something. Something called the Wii, oh. you know, that you and I, otherwise we and you could do together.
1: <laughs>
0: uh... I still, that name for a console was really
3: just a bad decision. <laughs> Breath of the Wild came out on that. Isn't that crazy? What? Yeah,
0: yeah. That's crazy? No this way! Crazy that the like was thought... the Wii U gamepad? What? <laughs> what? I thought. Yeah. I thought there
3: was a Switch exclusive.
0: No. No, the like was does not look like a Nintendo Switch. It is meant to look like a Wii U gamepad because it was designed for the Wii U. Well, it's, I you know you know that show? makes
2: sense uh, because it really is a relic of the past.
1: Ah. Uh, ah. <laughs> uh. uh. <laughs>
0: What a rough Man. time. Uh, and yeah, I, back to Wind Waker for a second. I want to give special focus to, I think, all of the, the visual effects of that game for being incredibly simple and yet still more impressive than even a lot of modern games. Just with how everything looks, because sometimes that overlaying black squiggly circles with little rims of yellow light does a perfect job of showing an explosion in a way that is scarier than any modern thing. Mm-hmm. Man, when your child brain looks at that and goes, "Well, what could be behind that that black screen?" I don't know. Maybe some exploding goblins. <laughs> <laughs> and then whatever you imagine is worse than what the game will ever show to you. So, you know, get a little bit of that horror movie magic in your Wind Waker.
2: <laughs> and then you stab Ganon in the
1: forehead. And and yeah. for for full transparency too, I've never played Wind Waker. I've I've talked many times before about how there's so many Zelda games that I just. I have no way of playing that i've always wanted to play which is why they need to come out with some sort of collection for the switch nintendo sorry anyway
2: they had a comment. collection for um, the 25th <laughs> anniversary when skyward sword came out
1: nope it was just skyward sword there was, was no like
2: yeah, yeah they had anyway, a mario collection really? but oh uh, that mm.
1: but there was something from wind waker that always stuck with me and i remember i had heard it once and then I spent an entire afternoon as a small child trying to find, it was, it was a specific song from wind waker and I didn't know the name of it. And I was like typing away. I was trying to find like the name of that song. Um, and it's, I think it's like, I think it doesn't have an official title. It's just like dragon roost Island theme or something. And I was like, this yeah. is like one of the most, this is one of the prettiest pieces of music I've ever heard in my life. And Zelda it's something music I has always,
0: always been phenomenal. Yeah, just something
1: about just something about that track specifically. I'm like, this just it's so like warm and inviting and like welcoming. And I'm like, I really want to play this game, but I have no way to play it. (laughs) Thanks, Nintendo.
0: (laughs) I want Nintendo. It's free money. It is free money. I will gladly gladly pay full price at this point for just any Wind Waker.
1: I feel like at this point, Nintendo would be shocked at how many people are like me and want to play more Zelda games, but physically cannot because of hardware restrictions. Because <laughs> well, they don't oh, yeah. port their stuff as much
0: as they should. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, yeah. And they when they do, they stuff... make it for they only do it for a limited amount of time. For
0: yeah, God or, like, especially things that don't even necessarily Which is a bad have. reason. Like I get it in the case of. Super Mario Galaxy 2 Occasionally I think they could fix it But it does require Actual effort To make it so the game Is playable Without a Wii pointer Um But You could do it I think in the case Of every Zelda game They've always kind of been Either cross-platform Or at a weird time And don't really have Mechanics that need you To have a certain thing There might be one game That requires you to use Like the GameCube microphone Or something That I, I recall hearing about But I don't think It's a mainline game
2: um, well, do you think stuff from the the Zelda games from the DS where you can easily replace the stylus mechanic with something?
1: Who wants to play those, those are harder
2: For sure. <laughs> I mean, Spirit Train is really good. I was going uh, Spirit Train and Phantom Hourglass were my first Zelda games.
1: I remember yeah. actually playing Phantom Hourglass when I had a those DS. games are, many, are very many good many years Zeldas. ago. I
0: but they they I don't know how you would port those. You'd have to rework a lot of the game. It it yeah. would be possible, but it would not be the same. I think honestly, you you could put them to PC,
3: okay, yeah. because you'd ah. have a
0: mouse that you could use. But then, like, uh, who, yeah. I think people are gonna balk at playing a Zelda game on a on a computer without a controller. Uh,
3: and you'd have to, you have to. You have are gonna be like, what is this the... a
1: moba? <laughs> Why am I clicking uh, yeah. around? <laughs> you have
3: to redo all the uh, like to throw UI your and boomerang, everything. silly.
0: Yeah. It it'd be possible, but that'd be a lot of work. Uh, I, I think it's more the case of like why don't we have a modern accessible way to play Ocarina of Time it might be on the N64 Nintendo Switch online at this point but then why can't we play the like modern port that they did to the I, 3DS yeah.
2: I, was, I, I, was, I was about to say 3DS but then you said modern and I was like oh oh yeah well, I'm like kinda... they have the
0: 3DS port but I don't want to play that game on a on tiny screen
3: <laughs> that's screen. I I have no problem saying that the DS and 3DS existing is like a scourge on modern games industry. Because like if you want to play any of those games now, Uh, like if you're if you're like SMT4 is locked to the 3DS or whatever, and that game is supposedly really, really good. Uh, people keep making joke box arts of it coming out on the the Xbox One, and it just hey it looks completely wrong. Uh, I you can't imagine playing that game on anything because of the two screen layout, and like how, like you'd have to redo the whole game from they, the bottom up, even artistically, which is not what you have to do all the time for like a
2: remake or remaster. But hey, so if the DS dead... gave us
0: Spectrobes, so I'm okay with
2: it. <laughs> it did it did give us Spectrobes. It also gave us <laughs> Professor Layton, which is one thing that i have to be very thankful for and they uh, professor layton has been ported over to the switch i'm not sure how well because i still have it on the 3ds but apparently you can play the most recent game featuring his daughter on the switch uh but it's also been ported over to mobile and i think it does a better job with the mobile port than it would on the switch
0: touch screen feels pretty necessary yeah that makes sense Yeah. Uh, all right, well, refocusing on the idea of, of things that have stuck with you, what have some other people got? What's your, your your stuff that that has kept with you past playing a game, for good or bad? Uh, you, um, this could also be I was going to say, one of my examples is just
2: something that's outlandishly bad.
0: <laughs> another not necessarily a game. It could be a mechanic. I, I think that another freebie here for all of us is the Nemesis system of oh, a yeah, yeah, super that's... memorable mechanic.
1: Yep. Yeah. I don't I, think that's, we need to that's talk the, about it because we we talked that, about it before. But
0: just making yeah. sure we say our due diligence and mention. Yeah, <laughs> make that, sure that's it has a place main... in this
1: conversation. Yeah,
2: so. that's one of my main things that has a game stick with me is the like completely unique mechanic or almost completely unique mechanic. In the case that I guess the nemesis system is sort of in other games, but it's still you know
0: never been done as well. as yeah. its, it's um origin.
2: But there's there's that. There was what else was there? Um. Oh, uh, the, the, the sort of fourth wall breaking integration that, um, oh my God, what was the, um, what, what was the, the Zelda Link's Awakening-esque game that we played for Game Pass a while ago? Tunic? Tunic, yeah. yeah. Uh, with, with its, with its, um, manual gathering. That oh. manual
0: is a great example of, I think, a modern thing to throw into this list. Yep.
2: Such good stuff.
0: I feel like that's a thing that I'm going to remember for a long time, even if I never actually finished Tunic, <laughs> which yeah. I should do, but, ugh, so many games to play.
1: <laughs> I So this isn't a mechanic, but it's always stuck out to me. Um, listen, I, I wish, there were so many times in my life where I wish I could play The Last of Us for the first time again, because man, what story oh, it's and that story, right? Like I just, always
0: remember is the giraffe, like all the yeah. time. The singular giraffe is the thing I think of when I think of last of us.
1: And I feel like that's, that's a very common, like, and that's a, and that's a wonderful, wonderful scene in its own right, but it's not the one that always stuck out to me for me. It's the, the farmhouse scene. Um, after you yeah. meet up with Tommy at the, at the uh, dam, right? Like, Ellie runs off she, just like context or maybe, maybe not spoilers. Maybe shouldn't say Yeah, anything. Don't, don't go got...
0: too detail-y into it. All
1: right. Well, I'm I'm going to give you a quick setup. You're in a barn because reasons. And it's just, it's this whole scene about Ellie, you know, kind of, kind of revealing what Joel means to her in a very reserved way. And without it being too like sappy, you know, and it's like, this is, this is why you're important to me without again without it without laying it on too thick right and it's just joel's staunch like i cannot be emotionally invested in this situation in any way and i refuse to open myself up again and just that whole that whole scene there's no gameplay it's a cut scene and that's it but it's just incredible writing amazing performances and just like it I, I often cite that scene as the moment where I was like, okay, not only do I want to make video games for a living, but I want to write for video games for a living. That's what inspired me to, you know, kind of be where I am now, even. Um, it just and that's that like of all the incredible gameplay sequences, all the incredible like cutscenes and story sequences in that game, that one always sticks out to me because it's a perfect example of like so much is being said. But not physically, like from their mouths, right? You can infer so yeah. much as to what they're saying, and it just—I mean, Naughty Dog is also oh. just
0: in Last of Us. I think stands out in terms of writing, but there are other franchises stand out in terms of set pieces. Like they have some of the yeah. best set pieces in video games. I think only things oh, that come close now absolutely. are modern Call of Duties. I think get pretty close, uh, not in terms of like yeah. narrative payoff
2: because they're not <laughs> that type of game. Duty. <laughs> they're they're set pieces and just their Yep. I, I don't I don't want yeah. to it's their uh, Um their their cinematic approach to, to yep. video games.
0: I also think um, the reason they stick out a lot in Western games is I actually think they have a lot... The way Naughty Dog, spe- specifically Uncharted 2, is what I think of when I think of the like the train sequence uh, and how memorable that is. I think anyone who's ever played that opening remembers it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's just so well done. The thing that it most reminds me of is Japanese video games. <laughs> Makes me think of like JRPG cutscenes and set pieces. Or things like Devil May Cry scenes or whatnot where it just goes over the top but in a way that is just grounded enough for you to buy it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well that's that's something that, that writing Uncharted, that line. That's something that to me like Uncharted is a master of of like, is what's happening on screen utterly absurd? Yes. Do, Do I, I still care? some Yes,
2: <laughs> Absolutely not. I am in, I, I I am in fact running fast. I, I know what's happening. How... I don't
0: care that it's breaking yeah. my my disbelief at that point. I'm like, all right. I am I'm, in, I'm in fact the ride.
2: I'm in fact running faster than the bridge collapsing and fist fighting a terrorist on top of a train with a bomb on it.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's rad. Uh, I, I think that's the type of thing that that always stands out well. But I often think when you have those scenes, the problem is they kind of blend together. That's why I call it the train scene. Is because I think the train scene is is. The perfect starting point so that you always remember it because you're playing it right at the start of the game. That's going to be your hook to the game and you're not being it's not like a middle of the road thing you're getting wound up in back to back to other stuff. It's kind of the the explosive intro and it calms down for a little while, which I think makes it stick out a lot more.
1: And what's great too is that it's in Medias Res, right? So it's like, okay, yeah. we're gonna come back to this point eventually. And they tease you a couple times as to when you think it's gonna happen. Because they mention a train a couple times leading up to it and you're like, Oh, this yeah. is it, this is what's gonna lead up to it. Nope. It's just they're on a train going somewhere. It's a train. Check
2: up's train. And <laughs> then the camera and then the camera just rotates.
0: Um, I think I think that's a real strength of cinematic design is when you can achieve that and make it memorable it did a great job there's a scene in Xenoblade 1 that is I think I, I hold with the same regard very early in Xenoblade 1 Ooh. that I will not say because it is a major spoiler for the opening of the game and man anyone should go play that and, and not have it spoiled uh, but anyone that has played it knows exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> since I mention it um, but yeah I think that type of scene is such a strength in terms of storytelling, when you can get it right. But getting it right is very rare. And Far more games try than ever actually do. Nail that
2: type mm-hmm. of, of scene that to really hook you. Get you in. At yeah. least making them memorable. Alright, who, who else has got something they want to talk about? Um,
3: I don't even have a specific game for this, because it's just applicable to... Literally, everyone could probably immediately think of like 10 different things. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but just like so many games have that at least one song where it's just like you might not even be listening to music. You might not even have played the game yet, but you just heard the song before in like a friend's playlist or something. And then it'll just earworm into your brain and be like, ah, oh, I should play that. And that's like, that is, that is when the game itself is not even in the picture at all. And you've just you're thinking about it anyway. That's exactly what this this topic is pretty much.
2: Although I With Ace Combat, if I didn't have motion of Final sickness.
0: Fantasy VII, is combat and Project <laughs> Wingman
2: <Wayne> <laughs> <laughs> pretty I... much? Uh, uh, yeah.
3: but yeah, like I, I think of uh, that one, uh, the part in Halo Three when you're going to the arc, and oh. uh, the uh like, the camera's mounted on the side of the pelican as it's, like, launching out of the forward into dawn, and it's going through all the the battle that's going on or whatever, all the way down to the actual surface of the arc, and that song that plays there is just your your quintessential Marty O'Donnell bop that is just so, so simple, and it just kind of repeats the same thing over and over, but it's so, so good, and it complements that scene so well. Like the entire rest of the the franchise up until a certain point, uh, but that that particularly when I was a kid uh, and I played the campaign for the first time at a friend's house because I didn't have a, an Xbox yet. I was like this. That is that is the coolest scene ever. And I did not even yeah. know like enough about the Internet to, to try to scramble around for like what the song was to listen to it in my own time or whatever. Yeah. But it's well, just even... every every game has at least one at least and... one.
1: And the shit mess series where they're like, "Oh, we're at number three to one." He's like, "Then it's a fight."
2: You're it like, yeah, a no, no, let's <laughs> go! Yeah, go. Good, yeah. Oh, those lines. <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of videos have like Burns the, the line ex- the the line <laughs> version of the, the your music example as well. For sure, yeah, yeah. Like fi- fire emblem, I have I have yet to find the actual the the exact fire emblem game where this line appears in. Either that or I found it, that I keep forgetting. But the one where the character says, pick a god and pray. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I, that I think awesome. that and it's is one awake- of the really early awakening. pixelated
0: ones. I think that Awakening has a character that says that as a reference to the original. Um, there is That's definitely... Awesome. <laughs> I'm almost positive that is a line in uh, the Fire Emblem Warriors game when you're playing a certain character, it was like, pick a god and pray whenever you do your special attack, which is incredible. Um, I want to say it's Ferdinand, but I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I want to say that's correct. The big dude on a horse <laughs> says, pick a god and pray and then slashes everyone around him. Um,
1: I, I kind of have one that, yeah. that has to do with music, so it's kind of a nice little... A little transition. This might surprise some of you. One of the moments that I that I have written down here is a boss fight. And that might be surprising for anyone who's watched this show before. Is and those my here? my very, very spicy hot take on boss fights. <laughs> In that most of the boss fights that I've ever played, I kind of hate them. <laughs> and that's a whole other discussion. This is why I we have four people on I'm
3: the show, dumb. is we need dissenting <laughs> <Yes>. opinions. <laughs> Balance. Out, Otherwise, uh, <laughs>
0: Brett and I would just take over and talk about Dark Souls. <laughs> no, would. no, I understand. I understand. Dodge like,
1: rolling not, is good, Dodge and, and not all is right. and not all boss fights are created equal or created the same. I understand there are exceptions. For me personally, one of them is my favorite boss fight in any game I've ever played, which is the Hyperion boss fight in Returnal. It's the fourth boss fight. It's the one with the giant organ. Uh, Super cool, Brett. Uh this boss fight
3: rules. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's pretty sick.
1: Yeah. So it's it's in this giant tower, right? And there's this song that's playing throughout almost this entire level. Well, real throughout the whole game, but that's a whole other thing. Um and you're you're like slowly ascending this tower going upwards after you fought through this whole level to get there. And the music is getting louder and louder, and then you finally come across this like Gross-looking plant creature, and he's just—he just shredding on an organ, and it's this incredible rendition of "Don't Fear the Reaper." By okay. uh, you Blue were convinced Oysters did called. not exist until I told you about <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, although I had not reached this part when he said that to me, so I'm glad okay. that you had that you had like told me that, so that this scene had much more like of an impact scenes. for me. Yes, and then going back, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> it's everywhere.
3: It's, everywhere. Anyway. it's crazy. Yeah,
1: and and the way it ties in with the story is really cool. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is this boss. So so returnal third person, uh, bullet hell, roguelike like uh, hybrid. The just the 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 patterns of the shots from the enemy. That the fucking amazing rendition of uh, of that song and just everything about it. It just all comes together and it is so much fun and. Then, I think, like, man, I think I, I probably had to play that boss until I beat him for the first time. It was probably, like, five, six times. And when That's I finally worried. beat him, it was one of the only times where in a game where I'm constantly dying, where I'm just like, yes, <laughs> I did it! <laughs> because because it was legitimately just such a fun boss fight for me. and Also I, tuned I, very I well.
0: I, I feel like yes. out of... Is I, I have some issues with the earlier Returnal bosses that I, I think are maybe a little bit too much. Specifically, the first one. The second one I think is pretty handleable, but the first one was, is
1: the first one's annoying. <laughs> a
0: gigantic, like, difficulty wall. Coming from someone who's played a lot of roguelikes in and in every Souls game, I'm like, man, this is a rough first boss. It's doable, but that—that's a wall for a lot of people. That's like you're—you're you're gonna have to yeah. slam into that wall and get past it, or else you will not be able to play the rest of the game. Um, yeah. but Hyperion, particularly, I think, feels really well balanced in that it's constantly fun without being so overly challenging that you you can't get through it. It reminds me a lot of Metal Health singer bosses in that regard.
1: Yeah, it just they and and me. I feel like it wouldn't have the same effect on me if that organ rendition of um, "Don't Fear the Reaper" wasn't playing in the background because it's just it's, it's so. It's well, first of all, I just I love organ music. Like I just I love the sound of like a classic organ, right? But it's so the song is so deafening, and at first it's like wow, the, the sound mixing is kind of but then you realize, no no, no that's the point. Is yeah. that it's this song throughout specifically this level but through the whole game that's tormenting this main character. And like I say main character because I forgot her name briefly. Um,
3: Everyone did. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> yeah. wow, hey
1: that's the even, other though, end of the coin even though she <laughs> even though she says her name like fifty thousand times throughout <laughs> these entire games. Um,
0: Sometimes repetition is not a good thing. No, <laughs> right,
1: right. But like it's tormenting this character. So when you finally get to the source of the music, it's like deafening, and it just adds so much to the fight. And just like the design of this creature is great. Like the whole area it's in is really is is just so gorgeously crafted. It just. Ugh, I like I literally have Very nothing good. bad to say. I have nothing bad to say about that boss fight. Like to me, perfect in like t- almost every way. Like I I no complaints whatsoever.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think boss boss and especially final boss music is like a really big fat green check mark on this sort of mm-hmm. thing. Cause like yeah. that's often like the most memeable song from the, the game that it's in and part of that is definitely cuz like jrpgs especially like save the the best for last for the final boss and like most final fantasy games will just have like a you know this is this is a really good fantasy soundtrack, you know, we got some some maybe some cool shreddies synth cheesy guitars in here or whatever. And mm-hmm. then the final boss hits and it's just like a 16 minute long like prog rock masterpiece that just comes <laughs> out of nowhere because Nobuo Ematsu is insane. Uh he is insane. <laughs> he he is. But it's like you know, maybe you'll, also you'll soken. survive. Soken to also so the same thing in, in 14. So, yeah, which I will we will hear more of I guess for for 16. Oh, yeah, I have a, a, a final final boss it. for a single player one, yeah. Um, but that's like that that's a, a the JRPG staple, and especially, I try to say this with as spoiling as little as possible, but there's no story spoilers for Persona three here. Um, but there is a song that repeats through your whole game because you're spending hours and hours in the velvet room fusing your dang old demons together and it's a really good song that makes those hours and hours go by in what feels like 15 minutes uh and it is almost embarrassing to be sitting there making some some perfectly uh uh, stats like really cool looking guy or whatever from like greek mythology or something after like two hours of fusing the same thing over and over and your like mom will come back down and be like you've been here for too long but i really like the music though uh and then the 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 final boss boss of that game without saying anything about it, the you know, a a pretty cool persona at song will will, will start playing. And then all of a sudden a sped up rock remix version of the red velvet oh, theme no. starts playing, and I just I just had to stop. I just had to be like, Oh because I wasn't I was only like half expecting it. But whenever games do that where they like beat a song into your head with like little much like uh, how Returnal does with the Don't Fear the Reaper thing, where you hear the, the motif or, like, uh, like Snake Eater, you just hear the full song multiple times in the game. Oh, yeah. and then Especially when climbing uh, a ladder. Yes, exactly. The, the final boss just sneaks it in until that's the song playing for the final boss encounter. It just feels like, ooh, I, there's, there's probably some...
2: Yeah, those... Those those, those Almost like they're trying to drive home a theme. Almost. <laughs> works. Yeah. There's a,
0: another side to this, too, that I, I also really like, which is kind of the inverse. Um, and JRPGs, I think, do this a lot because they tend to have more of a focus on music that you can listen to on its own. I, I think a lot yeah. of Western game soundtracks tend to be in the space of, this is a soundtrack, it's going to be like a movie soundtrack and pay, play second fiddle, too. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing and and playing, which is fine. Like there's no problem with it's, that. It's, it's just wa- a different. It's,
1: it's audio wallpaper to what you're supposed to. Yeah,
0: do. it's meant to enhance the thing that you're doing rather than be its own cool thing at the same time. Um, which is a totally valid way to compose for for video games. Uh, but the reason I think it stands out so much in a lot of Japanese games is because there's this moment when you're you're listening to a JRPG song and you'll just go, I could just listen to this. Like I could just. Go jam out to that. In fact, I bought most a record player solely fights. so I could play Final Fantasy XIV music. Finals that I got. I don't own yeah. any other
1: records. Just those. <laughs> That's the most, Ryan. That is the most gamer thing I think I've ever heard in my life. That it gets good of use. <laughs> so. uh,
0: but there's a, a specific thing that a couple of RPGs have done, which I won't name because if I do, it spoils them uh just by what i'm talking about which is introducing a character that is a very lovable character who everyone likes at at their introduction um, and then very mm. shortly into their introduction playing the music and but by, by the music i mean the oh no something really bad's gonna either this, this person's either gonna be shanked by someone or musical evil. foreshadowing and yeah. you're like they they just use the music to implant the sense of existential dread of I know this is not gonna turn out well and I hate that because this character is great uh, happens in tons of stuff man it's a good trope <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's like the the one time I think you can get away with spoiling your own game because a lot of the time it, when you are using it in that circumstance you are like I want the player to know mentally that they're about to step into the the second arc the, the like third. That that little decline that happens right before the third arc, where you're like, oh, peak of the second arc, they have to be at their lowest point, and it's about to happen, and <laughs> it's gonna be with this character, and you're gonna hate it, and you know it's coming, and I think that when you get that right, it's really really strong. It's kind of a motivating factor to remember that character. I think it's a good a good thing to go for that mm-hmm. if it's earned. Um, and I want to use the flip side of this. To to talk about a game that I finished very recently called Banetta 3. <laughs> you finished it?
2: And it's... <laughs> it was, wait, it's oh a no, what's the flip long. side?
0: Oh yeah. So... Oh no. The reason I mention this is because Platinum typically masters of music and storytelling in action games. Really good at it. All the Banetta games do it great. Metal Gear Rising is probably the most memorable game that I have ever played, I wonder why (laughs) (laughs) and the thing about Metal Gear Rising that makes it so memorable is that it's a bunch of memes that all in context make perfect sense (laughs) (laughs) like if you play through that game you will get to the part where the crazy senator who talks about football is about to rock your face in and you feel every emotion because you're like man I earned this (laughs) I I earned my way to Senator Armstrong and the nanomachines and you know they're coming, but they make perfect sense in context, and you're like, "All right, let's go." Band of Three doesn't do that. Band of oh, Three has a problem. No. It's still a very good game. I, I think the action is still good, nowhere near as good as the first two games or Metal Gear Rising, unfortunately. But the reason I want to throw it in here. I'm going to forget the story of Band of the Three, except for the ending, which was really, really dumpster fire, garbage can bad. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, oh
3: no. <laughs> no! Oh, my god! <laughs> right.
1: Oh, no! So,
0: I'm going to set the scene here. If, if you want to go blind into Band of the Three, I'm not going to spoil specific story events, though that is hard to do because it's a multiverse game. So, get your mind around multiverse game, meaning, you know, anything anything that happens can be easily thrown away and completely ignored. Which is honestly what I hope they do in the next one. This is another one. Okay. Um, because Bayonetta 3 is trying to ape a thing that Devil May Cry 5 did really well, which made it very memorable, which is turn Nero who was introduced as kind of this, not protege, but the up-and-comer of the franchise to, to make the gameplay different from oh. playing Dante, right? Into in, their... in Devil May Cry 4. Mm. Um, people didn't necessarily love him in 4. They, they liked him but they didn't love him. Five turns that around and is like okay this character is really good and has earned his spot as like the flagship face of the franchise moving forward um, he's like iconic now he's iconic he's now really his music him. is great his gameplay is great they just fleshed him out to the point where you are like yeah I, I can totally see playing this guy for a full game um, and Kadekikamiya Kamiya and his infinite wisdom <laughs> went man I really like Devil May Cry 5 let's try to do that but in the worst way <laughs> <laughs> of when you oh, get, no. this is the spoilish part, I'm not going to say specific spoilers, but anyone who knows narrative will be able to pick up what happens from this, so tune out for the next minute or two if you, you don't want to hear it um, they decide instead of, hey, we're going to have Dante be really cool at the end and go, and go and instead of like outing him and, and saying, oh he's never going to show up again they're like, okay, he's going to go do some cool stuff on his own he might show up later, but he's not going to be the main focus of our, our thing going forward that's a great way to handle it because you're like you leave the door open while also providing a satisfying narrative conclusion. Yeah. Band of the three, the part that will, will live in my mind forever now, because it is so hilariously bad, takes the opposite approach and is like, okay, well, instead of because there's a new character in Bayo 3 called Viola, who they're like, hey, she's gonna be a new main character going forward. Except her gameplay isn't very good. <laughs> It's not particularly fun. Oh, no. She can't do the classic Bayonetta dodge and instead has a parry, which doesn't function half the time because oh, the window no. for timing it is so tight that you can't do anything.
1: <laughs> oh dear God. No. It's very
0: rough. <laughs> <laughs> it, she's not particularly fun to play. She has cool ideas, but she does not, doesn't work well. And at the very end, they they try to go, Hey, she's going to be the, one of the main characters in the next game. You should look forward to playing her and not playing Bayonetta. And the way they they make you say, oh, you're not going to play Bayonetta is at the end. They they have this moment where it's meant to be this heartfelt moment, except what's going on makes no sense because it wasn't set up at all uh, about what's happening. You're like, well, excuse me. And then they're just like, hey, you're not going to play Bayonetta next game. And we're going to stomp on it and be like. Not just you're not going to play Bayonetta, you can't play any Bayonetta, because all the Bayonettas and all the multiverses are now doing their own thing, and you can't play them. They're, oh, they're often in, in, the, in the, the Neverland that you will not touch them for at least the next game, I assume.
1: You know <laughs> what I'm this kind of like, feels like? bizarre. This kind of feels like a Master Chief and Spartan Locke situation. Oh, you know what's yeah, even better? Bit. So
0: this is an actual, I'm about to say an actual spoiler for the ending. It's not a story spoiler, but it is a spoiler. Uh, that the after the end credits of Bayonetta three, you see your shopkeeper man looks at Viola and goes, "Got to keep up the family name, Bayonetta." Uh, <laughs> it starts calling her
1: Bayonetta. So like, what's going? Oh on? my
0: god! This, this feels like a Ray Skywalker. <laughs> no, no. Oh, you
1: no. know, what I was thinking like, like yes, but I was also thinking Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like
2: I, I am the last Bayonetta.
3: any almost like it might as well be like that's like a like a Film, film class, game class, just like never do it. Like never, never start your movie with the the alarm clock ringing and the characters as like, oh well. I start my day with it. never, like never do that. Never, like can you do that and still have it be good? Yes, but you really yeah. have well, to know you what see, you're doing.
0: They could have had that be good, but instead, whenever Viola is going to do a cool thing, the game undercuts it. <laughs> And is like, oh no, she she trips and falls. Literally,
2: <laughs> she literally oh, they're trying to make her fall. like a lovable klutz in that way, or actually just pathetic. Know.
1: I don't know. It's, it's so confusing. I think this game is driving Ryan insane. And they they do the <laughs> same feels... thing
0: with like the male love interest character who's been around since a One and was very cool in One and Two and like a fun character. This time they just decided to make him like a sad fairy boy. <laughs> I don't know what's going. On. I don't understand the choices that were made here. Huh. Uh, they're not. They're not. They could be sensible if given the care that they needed, but they clearly were not. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and the the way to instantly make people not want to play the new character is by having them scream. The only thing I remember Viola saying for most of the game is "My name is Viola," <laughs> <laughs> because she says it like thirty times. Because no but one. But now her, name's by her name is <laughs> Bayonetta. Oh my god. <laughs> don't all right. See, that's okay. how to make me want to forget a game. <laughs>
2: yeah, Jesus, <laughs> You want to know? You want to know what makes a game? I I guess memorable in the sense that I want to, very very badly, want to forget it, but I can't. Um, unusable UI. Oh, <laughs> non guns. <too>. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <there's laughs> Never forget. None of those guns. You are know. Non-guns. You know hieroglyphs having to decipher the the ancient Egyptian language, but in really really low pixel density and to, to figure just, out there is
0: nothing to ground understanding in. because you can do solving
2: because there's no dialogue. you have to solve a point and click puzzle to exit the game yep. that you can only stumble upon
3: ah, it's, it's just confusing. Think- they they had they had to make Arrival, which is like a three and a half hour movie about deciphering an alien language, and it takes longer than the runtime of that film.
2: It, to well, and there the is there non-devils. is a
3: game that's really <laughs> cool called Heaven's Vault.
0: Heaven's Vault is a game about translating a lost language.
2: Yeah, I've been playing that recently.
0: Super cool. Works perfectly. It, no issues. Unlike non. It's a game about that. Like that's like (laughs) they probably put like effort into making that fun. Well, because you can ground your understanding and you are translating a thing. In non guns it's just Mm -hmm. I can't understand what I am seeing on the screen and there is no context for why I cannot understand this. I think another good example of doing it right is Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight gives you enough information to be like, okay, I can recognize that I'm not supposed to know what this is right now, and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. come back to it and know what it is later. Whereas non guns is just like, I don't I just can't decipher what is happening in front of me at this moment. Um, yeah, that that will live on an in infamy in my brain for a long time. Uh, I do want to talk about, briefly, combat systems and what makes a combat system memorable. Because one of, I think, the more memorable games in the Zelda franchise is Breath of the Wild. But I am not going to remember its combat mechanics ever.
2: <laughs> oh, not at all.
0: Because <laughs> it's it- very simple.
2: If you have weapon durability, I'm instantly going to forget you, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) And then I think back to to the things that I do remember and you mentioned them earlier Alex, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. Oh boy, those games had interesting combat that I'm going to remember forever. (laughs) Even if I didn't necessarily love it. Yeah. yeah. I think trying new new stuff like that makes a good system. Uh, Also, just having a system that feels really good, which Breath of the Wild I think for some people probably hit that. For me, I I think it w- it didn't quite get that far, but I, I know a lot of people did enjoy it because of like the, the parry timings and whatnot feeling very great when you nail them. Mm-hmm. For me, that that's that's gone to Sekiro now. Sekiro is the I will always Ultimate remember the feeling of hitting game. that deflect button.
3: Oh, it's so good. Um, will always remember the feeling of missing the parry.
0: Yep, uh, that's all yeah. I felt. just as much. <laughs> Uh, that's where we're, I think Bandetta comes in again, too. You always remember the Witch Time every time it happens. It's so good. And then you get so pissed off because you can't do it on the other character. <laughs> you get very
2: angry. No Witch Time. How about you go miss a parry?
0: Well, you can. You see, you have a button that can do the Witch Time, but when you use your cool ability that your other characters can also use, that's a cool ability where you summon giant monster thing, you then can't block for some reason. Huh. So it's like, the button you use to do the cool thing, you now can't use while you're doing the other cool thing. But the other character can use it while they're doing the cool thing, so what's the point? Is it's is not good. And then it's compounded by the fact that this is the actual problem with Beta 3's main design, is they did the kaiju design thing, which is very fun and works very well. But the camera, Wyatt. <laughs> the camera is worse than Ninja Gaiden. Not because it's a bad camera, but because everything is too big. <laughs> When you're uh, in the normal game, you just can't see what's going on. Legitimately, you cannot tell what, what is happening because the enemies are too big. So when you're playing the regular is... game, you look, you have to like watch the corner of the screen to see like the particle V effect of the hammer coming around from one of these big enemies. Otherwise, you just won't know what's happening.
2: <laughs> oh, disgusting. It's, it's like part.
0: you're constantly doing Elden Ring by just staying behind a dragon butt the whole game and trying to decipher what it's doing. <laughs> Just from that one angle, it's impossible. Uh, <laughs> Not easy. Yep. All right, and we got something else they want to bring up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love when a game breaks its own rules on purpose, uh, and uh, my my like go to example for this, and I'd mentioned this when we had talked about this in our games club episode. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy does this so 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 well
2: um Ooh, cool. so I'm on game pass i should play it it's so oh my god it. i think like, you would actually, no, no, no. actually <laughs> love it
1: <laughs> no, no, no. here's the thing i i've always said this if it takes two hadn't come out in the same year as guardians of the galaxy guardians of the galaxy would have been game of the year for me like
3: it's very good
1: it's so so good um is there a
2: way the... you do Was oh, that... sorry. is there a way you can describe how it breaks its rules without it being spoilery if i intend on playing it
1: i'm gonna try
3: right. <laughs> it <laughs> it I'm has gonna to try. do it anyway so yeah
1: um, so there is a section where you're fighting, uh, endless waves of enemies and the only way to stop them from, uh, spawning is you have to send rocket through this little tunnel and rocket is claustrophobic to a degree where you order him to do something, which is something that you ask your, your three other guardians to do throughout the whole game is like, Hey, do this thing, do that thing. He refuses to do it. Because it's this tight claustrophobic tunnel. And so you're just sitting there, you're like shooting guys, and your your teammates are constantly like dying. So you have to run over and revive them. And it's this like really stressful situation. You're like, rocket, get in that hole right now. And he's like, no, I can't do it.
3: Yeah.
1: And so like uh-huh. at the same time as Quill is like, Rocket, just get in the tunnel. You're kind of screaming to yourself. You're like, Rocket, get in the <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: tunnel. <laughs> Cause it's <laughs> it's, it's not of, like they,
1: they just everyone.
3: <laughs> they don't just like pull it out of their ass for like this one like set piece either like they talk about it like many times before and I think in like a cutscene or something like like Peter tells him that he's just like you you know I don't want to do that you know why and then like because that's the whole game is discussing not each characters because some characters get ignored but most of the characters trauma and like really like in-depth ways like you understand that like because that talking about mishandling things that could totally be seen as something that's like that could be laughed at or that could be really annoying in like a worse game, right? But it Where was it's just built like okay,
1: up properly.
3: Exactly, yeah. Which happens yeah. a lot with like like why why won't character do thing when I press button automatically bad? Not in this case because it was built up very well yeah. and it, it all of a sudden goes past it was game it. Exactly. Yeah. It dabbles a little bit into that 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 horrifying territory that we call art that video games <laughs> don't always get into <laughs> perfectly, but it, if it you... got there.
1: And 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 Alex, if you want a more, um, if you want a uh, an example of this that you've probably experienced, actually, is another good example of this was God of War twenty eighteen. There's a section where, Atreus, yeah. uh, Atreus yeah. is being this dumb little shit, and he's like being an obnoxious little kid, and you're like, hey, shoot the arrow, and he's like, no, I don't want to, screw you. <laughs> and you're like, because the entire game, you're like shoot arrow at thing or shoot arrow at guy, and this one moment. Where it's very like critical to the story, he's like, "No, I don't want to do it. Screw you." (laughs) And you're like, "God damn it!" Not in like a "Why isn't the game listening to me?" way, but "Why isn't this child listening to me?" It's it's on a level of like the story, how you're supposed mm -hmm. to feel, not the game is breaking. You know, it was so well done.
2: And then he gets full of himself, even more. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So just little little moments like that, where the game briefly breaks its own rules to for for the especially for the sake of the narrative for me oh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna love it every time
3: that that reminds me there is so in in as as far as i know all the all the silent hill games that have a flashlight you just have a flashlight and you can turn it on you can turn it off cuz enemies are attracted to light you could do that strategically or you could be a, a baby like me and leave it on the whole game because you don't want to be in the pitch blackness with whatever those things are uh Never, ever, ever do you have to worry about it running out of battery ever because that's just not a system that they have to, you know, that they decided that you have to deal with. Uh, there's one part in, in Silent Hill 2, which I consider to be the meanest part of, of almost any game I've ever played, where you are in a small space full of bugs and your flashlight just runs out of battery and you have to just go through the dark room and scramble for the one time use battery item in the whole game you never have to change the batteries of this stupid thing but just just once to really get under your skin and just make you panic for like a minute and 30 seconds as you're mashing x on the ground to to pick up the the battery or whatever it's it's like because it's not even a system because it's not set up to be a system and in the the same way as the the uh, rocket raccoon and the god of war examples it's almost like an anti-system where it's just like the game is it, it yeah it, it's it's breaking its own rules but it's almost just like not doing anything it's just the game is not being mm-hmm. a game it's, just being, it's uh being an axe on purpose
2: <laughs> I, I can remember the few times that's happened yeah. in uncharted with its oh the flashlights out and then like mm-hmm. in i think in in three it was just okay spiders eat your flesh but in, in four you could do you know there was um there, there was a fun bit with you know, use using the dual shock controller for for one of its more, not not really um adventurous purposes, but you know, like, smashing it on your hand like like you're trying to smash a, the... yeah. yeah, yeah, fun stuff with controllers too. That's another thing when when they can use controllers inventively. I mean, Psychomantis. Mm, I I, love I was immediately what I, I Kojima. I mean, There's if I if I, I can. If
3: I can just uh, just tree branch off of that immediately, this is this is one of the the, the weirder aspects of of things. Uh, but uh, profundity, that is a real word, if I'm remembering my English language yeah, correctly. You got it. Uh, in in games is like even if the game is is something I don't like, when like something happens, that's just like I want to think about that in the real world. And I, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the definition of profound because there's more in one. Uh, but I, I wrote it down because this is the one that uh, this is the one that the the YouTube analysis videos use when they're trying to be smart. And so I will, too. Uh, <laughs> profound <laughs> means having or showing great knowledge or insight. And that's smart person language for just like a. Uh, the colonel's face shows up as a skeleton, and the player goes, "What the hell is going on right now in this video game?" What? When th- things when things happen, uh, such as your your lifeline, your one singular, uh, just emotionless support unit comes up on the screen and tells you to turn the game off in complete one hundred percent seriousness. It's just like. Oh God! I, I'm I'm not even afraid. I'm just like I I'm confused. I've been I've been to completely betray what you I bam-boozle. just said about the English language, profoundified. Uh, <laughs> and this is the the because I, I guess I'm like a weeb or something. The examples I could think of were only in Japanese games, and it's pretty much just something that Kojima has gotten just down pat. Uh, MGS two in its entirety, which is the examples I've I've already said that everybody knows. Like, that is an exercise in this man literally locked himself in a cabinet for too long of a time and just thought and researched. And this is the fruit of that, because so many weird things come out in the gameplay and story that really don't happen in other forms of art, like a movie or something, because you're interacting with it. And so it's directly just going into your brain. Like, how did this person think of this? Um the entirety of uh, the 100-hour game that is Xenogears, like that, that feels like a fun religious text, basically, because it's so well informed and so well researched. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's not all the time that you get games that are like that and are very textbook esque, while still being fun to play. And I, I like, think
0: Brett, you the
3: the English and
0: American equivalent of this is CRPGs. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Go to like Baldur's Gate specifically things like Planescape Torment, or I think the the line here of we're going to step into the weird, but have it be incredibly profound the whole time. Disco Elysium is the the, the best modern example, I think, um, of just, hey, we're going to run with this, and I mean, some people aren't going to like it, some people aren't going to get it, that's totally fine. We're just going to present you with this stuff. We're going to present you with a, a moment where you have the option to be like, talking to a character that is outwardly racist, that has information that you need, and, and tell you, ask you, how are you going to handle this situation? Like, what are you doing in this? And provide you with options that are not necessarily good. Um, which is oh, a just fascinating thing. Um, Yeah, because you deal with uh-huh. the consequences of what you do in that game. So it's like, you could approach this in a way that is like, trying to mimic the person you're talking to. Other people are going to remember that and be like, you spoke like this and i don't want to talk to you now uh and that's a very cool thing for the game to do and a lot of crpgs are like that um mass effect is another good example of a game that isn't a crpg doing the same thing um yeah i I think there's a lot of moments like that that are really good and that segues perfectly brett into the thing i wanted to mention next which was Mm -hmm. throw a little zaniness in your game make it weird So toss some wacky it has to be controlled and it has to be earned i think is the big thing you need to earn your wacky what are we
2: talking about here reality warping what's what's going no, on we're
0: just talking we're talking you're playing a game that's a serious crime drama you're having to go through and investigate some murders you go to a bar with your buddy to talk about the stuff that's happening and you pick up a microphone and images of dancing and clapping birds appear on the screen <laughs> It cuts to ice skating rinks as you skate around in a princess costume and sing 24 <laughs> Hours Cinderella and Yakuza Zero. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh. And then it immediately cuts to this is actually, I mixed up the characters. You don't sing 24 Hours Cinderella with Kiryu, but it, the point still stands. You do the karaoke thing, uh, and then it cuts to immediately you, them learning that you might be a murder suspect. <laughs> And possibly be killed by Yakuza very quickly. Oh <laughs> my so you god. Really deal with the repercussions of that extreme tonal whiplash. And I think that whiplash, if used correctly, is incredibly good. <laughs> and it, it creates yeah. this really memorable sequence of events. Um it's why the greatest character introduction that I have ever seen is when you are Goro Majima is revealed to be a playable character in Yakuza. <laughs> oh Zero. yes. And he's just this you have a scene of of characters in a, a cabaret club just talking, and they're they're talking about like some other stuff going on that's relevant to your other character. That you're talking about stuff that might be relevant later, and then they just start talking about like this new guy who's never been here before is getting introduced to the idea of this this bar is run by this like mystical man who never hurts a customer but can always resolve fights, and then you cut to you learning how to play the character, and instead of attacking, you are learning how to dodge and aggravate the person who's being a harassing like individual in this bar by offering them towels and then appearing behind them when they go to hit you with a wet towel and be like, hey you need to calm down a little bit <laughs> it's incredible and there's also an orchestra because as, of course as soon as the man walks out he snaps his fingers and goes give me a beat <laughs> of course, of course And it's perfect. Ryan, please
2: make this the next Game Pass game, if you don't, I will
0: Oh, it, I'm going to make you play Yakuza. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: That like was but more directed at me than anyone it. else.
0: <laughs> no, I've accepted, Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> what is... is it this? I've accepted that, that I don't know you will ever finish a Yakuza game. I don't know that you will ever play more than two hours of a Yakuza game. Because you kind of have to sit down and play them, or else you're not going to remember details. And I think that's this, the thing that's going to get you is a, you're definitely gonna hit get the detail bug of I, I don't remember who this character is and then you're gonna be like well the story makes no sense and drop it
2: <laughs> that's my this prediction one,
1: just know me so well
2: <laughs> this, this one feels is, is definitely more more of a question than an actual suggestion of a of a, of a theme or mechanic yeah. or thing but i and the so many different aspects go into it, whether it's, you know, the the overall story quality. Music, for one, is one thing that, you know, really helps emotionally charge scenes. What is like something in a video game that you would consider the equivalent to Cowboy Bebops you're going to carry that weight with you?
0: That's a tough one, because I think video games don't tend to like because it is harder to a book like that. That that tends to imply finality, in like the end of series. In a way that like a TV show can be produced with we know we're gonna have one season. A video game is almost always, unless someone somewhere can convince them like, hey, this is gonna be a one off. The the game has to end. It will have like a a drawn out specific ending. I think maybe Kojima is a. A decent figure as to why this doesn't necessarily work is because mm. someone somewhere is going to loop you back and make another middle <laughs> Gear.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We Whether live in a society. Stop making sequels.
3: That is that's part of of the good thing of something like Final Fantasy or SMT. Those, yeah. yeah, there's you know there's a number next to them, but they're pretty much completely just totally. I hard agree with you. I'm like yeah. that's I think where this can come in is you have the
0: ending of a long RPG that you know is the end and in western games I think we don't tend to get that because sequel baiting is the big thing to do Um, it's even in things that are like large scale games like Dragon Age they they tend to not like this this idea of hey we're going to have this choice that is very final for your character I think Dragon Age Origins is the exception to this uh, because we need to be able to, to bait people into the next game and like draw them in Again, not a huge problem, but it does mean you kind of lock yourself into a certain narrative structure. Whereas with, I mean, there's an irony to saying with Final Fantasy games because most of them do follow the same <laughs> narrative structure. Kinda. Of, yeah. <laughs> and also, they,
2: not one of them has been final yet. They have finality
0: <laughs> in them. Like I, I think that's the strength of. Uh, I'm not going to say the thing in case people haven't played final fantasy seven, but there's a thing in final fantasy seven that everyone knows. And that's a, that's a finality that is, that is yes. done. And then the only reason they're getting away with it now is because they've introduced doubt into this idea the second time around that maybe it won't happen, or maybe it'll be different. Maybe it'll be something different. And then now they have the option of now you get to string people along until it happens again. <laughs> And yeah, either I happen think again or be different.
2: I think with Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part Two, I think that has definitely the potential to have some carry that weight with you. Moment. Yeah, uh, I-,
0: I think it does happen. It's just
2: rare.
1: There are are two games to me that like have a sense of finality to them. One of them is Mass Effect Three, which is like a very controversial game for a lot of people, and I understand that, but like. It's it's definitely a conclusion, and we all know that they continue to make Mass mm-hmm. Effect games, but the way that they do There's it, to ignore it. I mean, I mean, they don't. You know, it's Mass Effect Andromeda isn't like what happens after Mass Effect Three. It's more what's happening alongside Mass Effect Three in a completely yeah. different galaxy. So, like, it's not really the same thing. But that was like, we've had two games to build up this final fight, and we mean that we mean final fight, like emphasize emphasize the word final, which is what made that game so much fun for me. Cause I knew it was like the conclusion. It was like, it was like sitting down to watch um, end game or sitting down to watch, like, like it's, it's like sitting down to to, to watch like a, a, a return of the Jedi for the first time where it's like, I, I know things technically continued beyond that, but, but both of those have a sense of finality to them where it's like, yeah. everything was building up to this. And that's what Mass Effect Three was, and that's why I had a lot of fun with it. it was I was like, I, everything yeah. was building up to that. The other one for me, and it's it's a sense of finality in the complete opposite direction. Where like Mass Effect Three, you have this big story, you've got this big ending, you've got all this big stuff going on. Returnal's ending is the exact opposite, and I'm not gonna say what it is, but if they ever announce a Returnal sequel, I have
0: so many questions. <laughs>
1: So many questions as to how going how the flying heck that's even going to work.
3: <laughs> a lot yeah. of doubt,
0: <laughs> and I I honestly think the the way to do it in a video game in a way that still leaves sequels open is have finality in character arcs. Yeah, like treat them like books, uh, where you know the difference between a character is gone for a while and a character is done. Like this is a final choice um because i i do think there are games that attempt this uh one that i i haven't played but i do know has a mechanic rolling around it is fuga um Mm, melodies of steel i want to say the name which is by uh i I can't remember the studio but they're they're a well-known japanese studio that mostly does other other types of games and this was like a passion project for a couple of them and the idea there, you have a giant cannon that can basically destroy any enemy in the game, but to do it, you got to sacrifice one of your party members forever, <laughs> Oh. and launch their soul at them as a bullet, which is oh. metal as hell, super cool. Never gonna use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody is ever gonna use that gun. Um, that, was
1: like a, that was like them in the in like the uh, you know the design just be like. But I, I do think, like, you <laughs> mentioned it.
0: Mass Effect earlier as the finality thing of, like, a universe, but I think on a smaller scale, it's stronger in the finality of individual characters. And I'm not going to say mm-hmm. names, because anyone who's played it will know. Uh, but there's, there's multiple characters, and actually a good one is probably Mass Effect 1, um, which I feel less bad about spoiling a potential outcome to something, is that you can have uh, or not Rex, I believe, is your one of your party members of Mass Effect 1, mm-hmm. and there is a major choice that will happen based on some other choices you've made where you can either keep him around as a good buddy or you have to kill oh. him. You, ha- you have to. There is- he is going to ruin everything. Oh. So you have to make the hard choice of like, can't do I have... Have I built up a way that I can resolve this situation or is it done? Um, and the-, the great thing about the game is it will react differently how you do this and the rest of the game's react which is what made those Bioware games so special. But That sense of finality isn't in the the greater narrative, it's for a character. It's for the resolution of a story moment. I think um, Witcher 3 is another good example of this. The Bloody Baron questline is a reason so many people love that questline. You have Cyberpunk, which I think does manage to do the, hey, your main character has this ticking clock... You know it's a huge problem, you don't know if there's a resolution, like what is the, the res- resolution here, it's different depending on the ending you pick, um, the tone can be drastically different of, hey we have some hope here, or hey, you are accepting that you're going to die, like, on the highest of terms, to not spoil anything, but um, it has that classic cyberpunk, like, you can choose, hey I'm I'm going to go in and I know I'm doomed, or I'm going to hope, hold out till the very end that there's something that can be done. Uh, and that can be a really cool moment of trying to resolve that. It's also why the, the like passing of the torch as an ideal is such a fun narrative concept of like, hey, we're passing the torch on to the next generation of characters. I think we're hitting that point of like Marvel movies now where they have to pass the torch to the next generation, which is a weird thing to say because I don't think they necessarily handled it well.
3: But just totally well, we're pass- messed it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're passing on the torch to such heavy hitters like Ant-Man and She-Hulk. Hooray!
3: (laughs) Hey, man, you want to twerk together? But I I do think Star
0: Wars has a good example of a different character for it, which is, yeah, I think, I wonder if you'll agree with me on this, Wyatt. Um, Ahsoka and Ezra, to to different degrees of being like the passing of the torch of certain concepts, not necessarily like narrative arcs or anything, but of being, hey, we're going to continue this story with other characters and see what is done differently. Uh, but a lot of that might be that the team and Dave Filoni have some issues <laughs> with the rest of Star Wars and mm-hmm. want to be able to have characters to explore those issues with. Uh, but I, I do think it works in, in setting up a different dynamic to kind of explore yeah. and have a very different feeling on what's going on. Uh, it's also a thing also, Yakuza games do, but I won't mention also, where or how.
1: Because... <laughs> also, I know if that if I was like a main writer for star wars i would want to write characters to get as far away from those prequel assholes as far away from them as humanly possible
0: <laughs> the great thing about a character like ahsoka that that lets you attach to her is she's adjacent to those characters so you can contextualize her with those characters in the prequel era and then she can just goes as far away from those <laughs> <possible>. <laughs> yeah and now you can do whatever you want uh i think that's the the benefit there it's why a lot of franchises will have like you'll have a long-running guild or something in a fantasy series, and they'll be like, "Hey, this character's a member of this guild," so you immediately have a a concept of like, "Hey, Assassin's Creed—they're an assassin." You know, some starting point here or some relation thing here that you can then follow to the next line of thought and uh, continue through the story. Sweet
1: assassin's creed is an interesting example because they try and have their cake and eat it too and that they have this massive storyline way to put it like massive <laughs> yeah they have this massive like overarching story going on but to further the story they have different characters every like two or three games or sometimes every they other. they also game. have this
0: they have the sequel baiting problem that's the the real issue <laughs> is they have to yeah. constantly bait sequels which is never in question because you have a I mean, perfect way to have a sequels infinitely, just with different yeah. characters. But instead, they're like, "Hey, we gotta have this one overarching character, so you're gonna follow Desmond or Layla until the end." Which they're are the always game for just, like two
1: hours. Which are always everyone's least favorite character.
0: <laughs> or they're they're super interesting, and then you're just like, I, I'm over it. You hit a point where you're just over it because they didn't they haven't addressed anything about them ever.
1: Well, and on on paper, having an overarching story that is furthered by different characters and not the same set of characters is inherently a really interesting idea. But, I mean, it's Assassin's Creed, so, you know, their execution of these ideas have been... So
0: you can tell they're written by different people constantly. Yeah. There's no consistency to what's going on. I think comic books are an example of things that have done this well before. Where they'll have, like, the Court of Owls long-running through Batman stuff that has this cool oh, side yeah. story or whatnot. Um, long-running B-plot jokes and whatnot. So I, I think there's ways you can do this, but video games are just a hard medium to get it right. Because you kind of have to know you're going to have a lot of games to stretch the story out of, but you also need to know there will be an end point. Yeah. Which is also the cared- thing that's hard to come by.
1: And with something like comic books, you can just focus on the story and the characters, whereas in video games, you have this whole video game part that you have to... And you know what? We'll see.
0: Because I think right now the grand experiment of Final Fantasy VII is going on. (laughs) and We'll we'll figure out if this
3: works. (laughs) That's a good way... It's a good thing to call it. The grand experiment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is, like, other types of, of games that have done this. Like, the Reapers are maybe an example. Uh... Of of like an overarching plot line that takes a while to fully develop, it kind of takes over multiple games, and you then you hit like the the big climax in Mass Effect Three. Um, another good example is MMOs. Final Fantasy Fourteen, 14 has the arc of the the Asian characters that just resolved within Walker, so you've got this all, whole arc of like you have the plot of every expansion, which is its own thing, and then you have this overarching plot of these this ancient civilization group of people doing their own evilly knievel things <laughs> in the background.
1: Riding on dirt bikes.
0: Yeah, riding on dirt bikes in, in the bike background bike. And, and like high-fiving in the distance so <laughs> you
1: play the game. And, <laughs> and I don't know if if it's done this way anymore because I haven't played this game in some time, but that's kind of what Destiny was doing, like Destiny 2 was doing, is every time they came out with an expansion it was like mostly a self-contained story, but it also played some vague part in some larger, vague story that's going yeah. on. Um, I don't know if that's changed at all since they've switched Not to their really. seasonal model, because I haven't really played It's more just recently, confusing,
0: because but... they kind of build it, upon the idea that you know what's already going on.
2: That you know what's going on, and that you are inevitably going to buy the seasons that are coming after it. Like, Witch Queen... Has a good story in it, and it has a short subplot that leads really nicely into Season of the Chosen, which is good if you have the Season of the Chosen content. Uh, Until Season of the Chosen
0: doesn't exist anymore, or hopefully they figure out some way to have these bits of content, at least the story parts in the game, somewhere.
2: And Season of the Chosen is, by that extent, a really good both like alongside and like directly after story bit for witch queen. And then it's sort of, you know, peters out with looser and looser connections, but they're still, the stories are still connected. It kind of varies. overall. It's like
0: the, the current seasonal thing, which is the pirate theme se- season is really just, Hey, go have fun doing pirate things for a little while until it loops back and connects a little bit. But yeah, that's okay. in seasonal content because you, you, I think it's a, a benefit to not have it be too important, but it's, still have a way to, like, showcase characters that you may not normally see. Um, I think Lightfall is going to be the real test for that. Of Are they going to go for self-contained, or are we going super hard on this Witness thing is going to be the big plot line, and we're not going to actually have, like, an ending of the individual expansions. We're just going to lead into the next thing. So
2: I think that's going to be the the test. I hope it's going to be an end, because they've been teasing, oh, the end to the Light and Darkness saga, Yeah. Finger, fingers my crossed, thing is they like they which queen wrap things
0: up. really good campaign wraps up and then it just ends kind of in a hey see you next time
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> moment <laughs> it's I'm sequel like, baits right.
2: <laughs> but then the sequel to it which are the seasons in between just kind of ignored that well i Haunt, haunted has you know things like okay this is the witness you know gathering more forces uh-oh you remember that guy that you were palling around with in season of opulence he's much more evil now and he's gone uh
0: it's very hard to follow <laughs> yeah it's like all right i i guess this, that's what we're doing but hey we we've we've done it we've looped our our time slot for tonight we've gotten all the way around we talked a lot about about a lot of good things i think and i'm sure we'll have to do an inverse of this episode at some point <laughs> probably yeah we're going to have problem
1: least of the least memorable Wait, um, thing so we just no talk i think about we need the, to do the we memorable.
0: It? Like
2: well, moments we, we that didn't... have ruined games. <laughs> I was going to say least memorable. Are... That's going to be really hard to remember, though. Exactly. Least yeah.
1: memorable moments. We just talk about Ubisoft for like three hours. We talk about all the
0: <laughs> Dynasty Warriors games individually. World. <laughs> we, we talk about. We
1: talk, Ryan and I. Ryan and I talk about Fallout seventy six for like a solid fifteen oh. minutes. <laughs> it's
3: going to be the least remembered episode from the people that watch <laughs> us. <laughs> so, so,
2: so, what's going on? Do we wanna right. do we wanna make an episode with purple it'll be, it'll be like episode
1: It'll be like episode one thirty five and then next week will also be episode one thirty five because we forgot that we filmed one thirty
2: five. We should actually follow through on that joke. Oh yeah. Well now we're gonna have to. Is... <laughs> <Not a way. laughs>
0: that means it's time for shout outs. It's time for the end of the show, which means shoutout time as as Wyatt slowly gurgles his mason jar water
1: wow all right you know what then i'm gonna go first um my shout out is is for the movie the nice guys if no one has ever seen the movie the nice guys oh it's so
2: funny fun it's such a good
1: movie it's a 1970s like detective story co-starring ryan gosling and um russell Crowe, directed by shane black for anyone who knows who shane black is and it's about these two schlubby wannabe detectives uh, looking into the the uh, the death of an adult film star in in seventies L.A. And it is a fantastic like just mystery comedy, and it is fan fan freaking tastic. And you should definitely go watch it because it's on Netflix, so you don't have an excuse. Go.
2: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's also nice Netflix. and self-contained. Yep. That's, and that's, it doesn't get
1: too stupid. Like it doesn't get too stupid. It 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 gets a little stupid in a in. good way. <laughs> well, in a good way, but it doesn't the get like, scene. <laughs> It doesn't like get Marvel movie big and yeah. yeah no. it keeps itself restrained it's in its focus.
2: Yeah, it's great. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna stare you two down. So someone
3: someone. I'm, I'm trying to, to juggle between like the six different options I have in my head. So I'll just go with one at random. Slot machine. Exactly. Uh, shout out to a show that I've been told to watch for a very long time now called Mushishi. Uh, it's, it's one of those, one of those gosh dang cartoons where nothing happens. And after watching two or three episodes, I just, I just kind of want to fall asleep. And that's probably (laughs) part of the point because the soundtrack (laughs) usually consists of, of the sound of the ocean waves and maybe a wind chime (laughs) and it totally fits. And it totally it's a, works. It's a, it's a sweet very good anime. It's yeah, exactly. Uh it's it basically it, it kind of follows like a kind of like detective formula where like problem happens to characters, a uh, very, very relaxed man with white hair comes to help them. And they just it's it's it does the thing that I usually don't like, where it's like we're just gonna throw some some techno babble equivalents at you and be like, ah, well, the, the squibbly dangle is doing the dobbly do to your jigglowaf, and that's why that's not working so well. But instead techno? of it just being like, I don't get it, this is bad. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't get it at all, but this is good. <laughs> uh, and it's so relaxing yep. that it just
2: it gets away with it. That's so a very very to good end. so
3: far. That's great. Yeah. All right,
0: Alex, you want to take it or you
2: want me? Uh, I'll I'll do it because mine's anticlimactic. I, I made some really good um, pol- polenta, honey, and rosemary scones the other day.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. That wasn't underwhelming. That sounds delicious.
0: <laughs> it's a good, good food, you know? We, yeah. we should have good sometimes. food sometimes. Um, speaking of good food, uh, a game called Against the Storm. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> the loosest of connections, it has food, food for the soul. Didn't... You need to manage the food of your population so they don't starve and die. Oh. Uh, is a city builder. And occasionally I talk about city builders in the show, but this one's really good because it's a roguelike. It's a roguelike city builder where the city, you build small cities and then you might die while you're building them. But hey, it doesn't ah. matter because you can just go build another one. And then you, a- you please the queen. And the queen who lives in a volcano gives you stuff to build and you can build better cities and keep doing it. And this game has been in early access for a long time because it released on the Epic Store like either six months or a year ago. Nobody knew about it because there was no marketing for the Epic Store. Uh, it just now came out on Steam, exploded because it looks very good and very cool. Uh, and it's been very fun. This, this kind of absorbed the small amount of free time I had this week. And it was very, very good. The nice relaxing city builder about beavers, humans, and harpies getting along and having a, a nice settlement. Oh, and the lizards. I a Can't forget the lizard people. Of course not. Well, yeah, because if you please the humans too much, the lizards will get mad that the humans are too happy. That's actually not how it works, but if you build the things that makes the humans happy, you probably can't build the things that make the lizards happy. So the lizards get mad and then they die when the storm happens because it's constantly oh. raining because the world is being apocalyptically flooded by a rainstorm all the time. Uh, so you kind of got to deal with that in whatever so you're way you You're building to be do that
2: it. can float, right? Or a little town that can float, right? No,
0: you you're building it. There's there's a thing I haven't gotten to yet where I've built three three or four cities and there's a little thing to build one more before a thing called the blight storm happens. I don't oh. know what that means, but there's a big angry mark on my turn marker for it when it does. So, probably very friendly. <laughs> I I, I think that's where the roguelike Maybe that wipes comes out in. all the <laughs> Maybe maybe that wipes out the stuff, and then i got to do it again, which is the loop, and hey, I'm do okay it with again. it because it's a really good city builder. And you have this cool mechanic where you cut into glades, and then you have space in the glades to build things, or there might be an evil thing that will kill all of your villagers if you don't deal with it right now, uh, oh. which is very fun. It's a way to do boss fights in a game that doesn't have combat.
2: So. Huh.
0: Oh neat. it's kind of neat it's a it's a cool game that i hope goes very far and it's already very good uh despite being in early access this is one of those games that just kind of feels done already but they're just going to add more to it and i'm like all right <laughs> I'll, I'll play Whoa. this um uh, that's the show that's the 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 on radio for this week we'll be back next week that's it that's what we'll do we'll be back next week tuesday 7 a.m eastern on, on the podcast Club, Your choice. December might get weird. <laughs> Buckle up. We'll,
2: we'll deal with it. It's okay. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot to plug in my computer. If there aren't episodes <laughs> oh no. on Anchor, they will be on YouTube. So, Yes. He didn't plug in his...